0: C'est moi, Katie. That's how they say my name in Paris. Je suis a Paris. I am in Paris right now. <laughs> Which explains why there was no episode last week. I have to make a formal apology because I didn't even, like, say anything about it. But I got to Paris. I'm here for the month. And I got to my Airbnb. And it was a very small Airbnb with two huge places that had mold. So... I spent all of last week figuring out where I was going to go and try and find a new place. And (laughs) I wish that I had had the podcast recorded and scheduled, but I didn't. I was like, I'll have time, I'll have time, I'll have time. And then I didn't have time because I was like super scrambling when I got here and adjusting and all that stuff. And you know what, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I should have had this episode last week, but it's fine. I think that we all needed a break and this week's episode is super juicy. I'm super excited to share it with you. I'm talking with Fiona Flight all about manifesting. So we're going to take all of the information that we just learned over the last two months on the podcast, using all of these different personal development modalities, modalities to understand ourselves better. We're going to take all of this and we're going to talk about how we can use this when it comes to growing as a person, of course, but also manifesting and getting what we want <laughs> and staying aligned and staying in faith and being able to hold the faith and keep in the manifestation process, even when things go wrong or even when... Um, We feel like our weakness is coming up or we get distracted or any of those things. So I'm really, really excited to dive into today's episode with Fiona. So before we do, I just want to mention a couple things. Soon this week, in the next few days, we are going to be opening up the doors to the Out to Be Mastermind for a October start of the program. So what you can do is head to katiezucarty.com slash mastermind waitlist. That might not end up being the official link, but that will redirect you to whatever the official link is to get the, like, early bird waitlist, whatever it is, special deal for the mastermind. The reason I'm saying this now is because I'm recording this intro before I have everything completely figured out for that, so... Bear with me, okay? I want to make sure this episode gets out on time since last week's didn't. (laughs) So I want to mention the mastermind, but I don't have all the eats yet. But I do know that by heading to katiezacardi.com slash mastermind waitlist, you will make sure that you are getting early entry uh, and exclusive bonuses if you are interested in the mastermind. For those of you who are newer here, you might not know about the mastermind because the mastermind we haven't launched in over a year We have not launched it. It's a six-month program. So um, our last term of it ended February of this year. But I didn't relaunch it right after that. Actually canceled my launch. I have an episode about that. But now we are relaunching it again. (laughs) I was actually going to do it last month. And then I was like, girl... No, you're not doing that because in the mastermind, this is a high level support and everyone in the mastermind gets one-on-one access to me and group access and so there's a lot of calls and I love it. I love to go deep in everyone's businesses the way we do in the mastermind, but I was like, I can't do that in Paris. <laughs> that is not gonna work. I only have limited time. We're working with the time difference and... um. It wasn't going to work. So once I realized that, which I hadn't really thought through, and I realized that, I was like, that's not going to happen. So we're, we're launching it now. And uh, I'm going to try something new for this launch too. It's going to be a little bit different. And when you head to the page, ktesecourage.com slash waitlist I'll have a little video that explains it. Um, not complicated, different, but just we're going to make it super easy, aligned, in flow, fun. So anyway, the mastermind, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is for... Women in the music industry. Yes, this program is exclusively for women. Women identifying people who are building their businesses. And not just building, but scaling their businesses. People in the program in the past are what I like to call multifaceted musicians. And I don't know, you're going to have to let me know if that phrase resonates because I feel like it's not quite saying what I want it to say. It's a little wordy. (laughs) A lot of letters in there. But essentially it's people who have many things going on in their music business so they're likely musicians and they're coaches or teachers or maybe they do something else that's entrepreneurial like last round we had uh, a musician who's also a fashion designer we've also had a bunch of uh, musicians who are teaching online and building their online studios or they're starting a coaching practice or coaching program and they're um, balancing all of these things either starting or already have these things going on and they're balancing multiple things and they're scaling their businesses. They want to be able to do more in less time, serve more without like burning out. Uh, They want to be able to make more money again without like working 24 seven and so that is exactly what we do in the mastermind it's a one-on-one group hybrid program so you get one-on-one access to me and we have group calls which is phenomenal because it allows us to go super deep in on your business and get you that extremely tailored support as well as have a really really intimate community and let me tell you last round of the mastermind and i know it's going to be the same for this round the last round was just Such a beautiful group. Like, Chef's Kiss. Beautiful group. Uh, Amazing people. We were able to really get to know each other. They were able to build relationships outside of the mastermind, have connections, have community, uh, and be a part of a supportive group of people who get it and are going through the same thing as you. So... I obviously am talking for a while now because it's been a week and I haven't talked to you and I'm like, I'm missing you guys. Technically, it's been two weeks because that's how much time there was from the last episode to this one. So I'm rambling now, but I'm super excited to launch this again and to bring this program back. The timing feels right. I feel really excited about the way we're gonna run the program, the way we're gonna run the launch and just making it all easy because that's the energy that we ultimately wanna bring into your business. So if you are someone who has already established your music career in your business, you have a foundation built, and you are at the stage now where you really want to start to scale it and grow it, then this is going to be for you. There will be more information on out to be, oh my gosh, keep saying the wrong thing, katiezacardi.com slash mastermind, which is just the webpage in general, as well as katiezacardi.com slash mastermind waitlist, where you will be able to sign up to get all of the early bird bonuses, discounts, stuff like that. So go ahead there for more information if this is calling to you. I'm going to stop talking now <laughs> and let's go ahead and dive into today's episode with Fiona. Hey, Fiona, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast.
1: Hello, Katie. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I can't believe we haven't had you on before, but cause, because you and I have been like friends in the industry for probably over a year now. But I think it's all in divine timing because what we're going to talk about today Could not happen any other time than today, I think, and is really just going to be, it's going to knock your socks off, guys. Trust me. We haven't even started talking yet, but I already know this episode's going to be amazing. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: All right. I am a classically trained singer. I focused for many years on opera, but I never could give up that first love of musical theater. So I was always going back and forth between opera and musical theater and teaching voice. And along the way, I got very frustrated that no matter how good I got, which was what I thought I had to do in order to be successful, I wasn't really creating the kind of lifestyle for myself that I actually wanted. And at, at, there was a turning point where I was like, you know what? I, no more of this starving artist And at that point, I decided that I had to figure out how to become profitable. And I really wanted to help my students, all of these incredible singers and actors who I would work with to also become profitable because it's just such a thing in our industry to do it all for the art and not be able to pay the bills or pay the bills with some completely other stream of income that you're not really passionate about. So at that point I was like, you know what, I gotta figure this out. And once I figured it out, I needed to start teaching it. So now I have a course called The Profitable Performer Revolution because I am creating or leading a revolution of performing artists who are taking their power back and becoming profitable on their own terms.
0: You guys know we love that here on the podcast. (laughs) And like I said, I was, you know, saying, I can't believe it's been so long because you know about so much. There's so much we could have talked about on the podcast before. But what we're going to talk about today, I just think is not talked about enough and is something that I know you are just such an expert in and provide so much value around. And that's really figuring out how we can connect all of these different modalities for healing and learning about ourselves and uh, learning about others, just like we've been talking about on the last few months of this podcast episode through astrology and Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and all these different things. Well, how do you take that and actually put it into action and actually use it and manifest what you want in your life and create the life that you want? Because knowledge is great, but you could just learn it and listen and say, that's cool, but it's not making a difference in my life because I'm not doing anything with it. Today, we're going to talk about how to use it <laughs> and what to do with it so that you can actually achieve, just like you were talking about, that life where you're bringing in money and you're living the way that you want to live instead of being stuck in this constant like hustle culture that we see so much in the music industry.
1: I think that one of the reasons I was finally able to draw the line in the sand for myself was because I had been consistently doing this kind of inner work for over 20 years. Yeah. And that's, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna collapse time for all artists so that they don't have to wait until they're as old as I was before they were like, you know what? I deserve more than this. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, when I first started on learning about the Enneagram, for example, there was no Instagram. There was there was no YouTube. There was there was no information on Enneagram. I was like one of the very few people I was introducing it to my friends because my singing teacher, you know, she's an extraordinary person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about the other people who are, I don't know about people who are listening, but I think that a lot of us. Who study our craft with a really important mentor, Mm -hmm. often that mentor will be the one that is introducing some very revolutionary, important things to us. Right. And she was that person for me when I was in my early 20s and like just starting. And so she introduced the Enneagram to me, um, along with a lot of other things, including Myers-Briggs, including astrology and numerology, all the things that you've been diving into. Yeah. And, but it was like, you know, a few of her students who were into it, a few of my friends who I could get into it, but there weren't resources, like it wasn't all over the world. Like, (laughs) I don't know the world, but it wasn't, it wasn't as such a a thing as it is now. And so I'm so excited that it is like all of this stuff it doesn't make you seem weird like there's a whole like it might be too woo for you but it's not too woo for me and that's okay yeah. whereas when i was first learning about this stuff it was like you didn't like ooh, that's too woo for and and you shouldn't talk about it
0: mm, yeah so i have to ask you before we dive in what all of your stuff is, (laughs) because of course I'm geeking out, so we literally, we had two months of all these episodes, so let's start with, um, and I don't know if you've studied all of these things, but I'm just gonna assume you have, but let's start with the Enneagram, since you mentioned it first, what's your Enneagram number? I am a four. Okay, I don't know a lot of fours, I feel like, so I I love to see it, I had a whole crisis where I thought I was a three, but now I think I'm an eight, so who knows, TBD. (laughs) I have to reflect more on that. Um, What about, do you know your
1: astrology, your sun, moon, and rising? I am a Taurus sun. I am a Libra rising and an Aquarius moon. And an important thing in my particular chart is that Saturn is on my sun. And Mm -hmm. so Saturn is a very controlling and authority sort of uh, rigid planet and your son is supposed to be this like expansive excited happy place yeah. and so i have this stern rigidity on uh, and authority and discipline on top of the the part of me that's supposed to be so expressive so that's that has so been funny. something that i've had to work through for sure in my journey that is super interesting um, and I love that you explain that
0: too, because I could just geek out about astrology all day, but your, your big three does make sense to me <laughs> because you are so grounded, but you also really do have like such a vibrant personality with the Libra. And then you can tell that you have like, I feel like anybody who's doing this spiritual work the Aquarius just makes sense with. I don't have Aquarius really in my chart, but for you, I'm like, I see it.
1: (laughs) So what about, uh, do you know your numerology numbers? I do. I'm a 2111, so I'm double double confidence and creativity. And this is, so wait, 2111 doesn't add up to 11. So 2011, maybe? 2911. 9, 10, 11, 29, 11, that's it. And that is in the, uh, Dan Millman numerology. So I, and the, he, if anybody, I don't know the person that you've talked to what, where their numerology comes from, but I definitely highly recommend Dan Millman's book on numerology. It's a big tome and mm-hmm. you can probably share the name of it in the show notes. Um, but, that this is another one that was like really really important for me to work through because double creativity and confidence meant that in my younger years i'm supposed to be so creative but i didn't have the confidence so your number is something that you work you grow into you you choose to learn the lesson so that you can fully embody it mm. for myself i don't feel like it has been until i started this online journey so recently that I really started to step into my number 11, that creativity Mm. and confidence going hand in hand and saying no more to thinking that I'm not good enough. Yeah. It's just time. It's time to be fully actualized as creative as I possibly can. Therefore, Instagram, YouTube, (laughs) like putting myself out there as all so creatively as a singer, artist, and as a coach. Yeah but having that confidence to do it at the same time.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go through this episode. So what about your human design? Do you know your energy type?
1: So I am a generator and I'm the one where you should ask me the question and I'll go, "Uh uh-huh or "Uh -uh."
0: (laughs) uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> i'm a manifesting generator so i'm with you there
1: <laughs> and have- I, I, the i'm pretty sure i'm a straight generator and not a manifesting generator but i do forget my human design i could go get the chart but <laughs> i'm i'm I know that I'm supposed to be asked yes or no questions to which I respond in a uh uh-uh or uh uh-huh way. I
0: think think that the gut reaction is very much with manifesting generators, but it could be with just generators as well, because obviously they're very much connected. You're at least part generator, we can confirm.
1: (laughs) For sure. And I definitely have that like driving energy to like where I want to work, 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 and then I collapse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is both of them, I think. <laughs> um, what about your Myers-Briggs?
1: I am an INFJ, which apparently is one of the rarest uh, Myers-Briggs out there. Really? And I'd love to go more into Myers-Briggs um, as we, I, I, I have so much to say about it. I don't want to like get us off track right now.
0: Why is it one of the rarest though?
1: How should I know why it's rare? <laughs>
0: I thought you studied it maybe you would have somebody would have said oh this is why it's rare but
1: <laughs> and apparently the ENFJ is also is like the next rarest
0: I think I thought I was an ENFJ but I can't find my thing I'm gonna have to try and look it up while we're talking to see if I can figure it out but
1: I don't so know. so you are extroverted yeah 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 and I, are you more intuitive or more sensing
0: Well, what's the difference between intuitive and sensing? For context, everyone, we haven't recorded our Myers-Briggs episode yet. So
1: (laughs) So, so this is, I actually looked it up before our call because that one is the one that's hardest for me to remember. And I think it's because I am so off the charts intuitive. So the intuitive one, it's like, you're always looking to make meaning out of everything. And Mm. that ties in with my Enneagram number four which as we get into the conversation is part of how I use all of these things is the synergy between all of the different modalities that I've studied. So, so the intuitive one is like always making meaning. And the sensing one is like very aware of like, what is real in my sensory world? Like I'm just taking things in with my five senses and, and being really clear about it.
0: I don't think that's me. And I, I don't remember it being an S because it would be an S, right? It would be an S. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure I have N. I'm pretty sure.
1: All right. And then you make your decisions, well, not decisions, but you're um more about feeling and how other people are feeling, or you're more about thinking.
0: that's where it's hard and this is I've talked about this but like every other of my chart like my human design and even my astrology I feel like it's just split down the middle of like and even my numerology it's like you're creative and you like details (laughs) so I don't know I I could I could be either one of those I feel like so I might have to just retake the quiz and hopefully at this point we're going to be listening out of order because the the Myers-Briggs episode will come out first. So I'll, I'll have to retake it yeah. before that and I'll know, and then you'll listen to this and it'll be going back in time because I don't know right now.
1: <laughs> but I think but. one of the things that I'm sure is going to come up on that call uh, that I really want to point out now is that unlike most of the other sympto- symptoms, systems, Myers-Briggs is a spectrum. So yeah. you don't, you really, uh, many people aren't a hundred percent one or the other. And the closer right. you are to the middle, the more likelihood you are taking in things from both parts. But yep. in terms of the thinking feeling, it really is about decisions. So do you prefer to first look at it logically or do you first think about the other people on the circumstances that are, that are part of it? Probably logically. All right. And then the last one is judging and perceiving and and that is um you know and i want to talk more about this as we get into the as we get into it because i find for myself that the the in my in my course profitable performer revolution there's actually a training on myers-briggs where we're specifically looking at the first letter and the last letter because i find that those two have massive impact on our productivity
0: I and, have found mine by the way.
1: I good. Oh, good. what I is just,
0: it? It is E N T J.
1: T J. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Awesome.
0: So, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the so the the first and the last letters you find are most indicative.
1: It, not necessarily indicative, but important as you are working on your business. So, mm-hmm. the the judging and perceiving Oh, it was life changing when I when I first learned about this because I am a J and I am so very very strongly a J. Js love plans. They love they know like I have an internal clock where I could tell you within a few minutes what time it is even if I haven't looked at a clock for you know most of the day.
0: That's crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whereas a P is, does, does not want to be locked in with any kind of schedule or plan. Right. And so when in your life you have people who, if you're one and like, let's say you're a P and you're like, love to do spontaneous things and you want to get together with, your family member in a spontaneous way and say, hey, I'm free in five minutes. Let's go to the park. Right. And they're a J and they're like, well, I'm scheduled. Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to go to the park next Wednesday at two? Yeah. And the P is like, I can't think that far ahead. No. (laughs) So when I realize and then also like getting out the door to get somewhere. If you and your partner like you want to get there on time and your partner's like on time is an hour late. Yeah. Then it's tough. It's, it's really hard. And so when I started to fully understand that there were people who just happened to be perceivers instead of judges or P's instead of J's, that they weren't purposefully trying to mess with my plan, (laughs) that they just had a really different way of looking at the world. Then it was like, Oh, I identified my husband, my mother, my brother, my children. As (laughs) please everyone around you. (laughs) Okay, got it. You you need more time. You need to be freer. You know. Okay, great. So how do I take care of myself? Yeah. Within that, which is again back to the kind of how do I use all of these things? Yeah. It's really like what is it that I need from any particular system? That's like the huge aha that was definitely one of those ahas for me. Yeah. So inside, when you're coaching someone, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, great. I'm really great with plans, but if I'm coaching someone who's a P, then they're not going to, like giving them a, a you know deadlines and a plan isn't the best way to work with their energy and yeah. given that our society is is all and school system is all tied into that j way that j style the peas can be really feeling like there's something wrong with me i'm lazy i i'm I, I can't stick to a routine or a schedule instead of recognizing that oh actually i have a whole different way of of engaging with you know, getting my stuff done. Right. And if I play to my strengths, instead of trying to fit into this cultural American way or what, you know, different, different, um, you can can type different countries and cultures with all of these systems, which is a lot of fun, but America is definitely a J country.
0: Yeah. Then
1: figure like understanding that about yourself is a huge release. It's no longer that there's something wrong with you that you don't want to conform to, The J schedule.
0: It's funny because on the Enneagram episode, she was sharing how threes like people often mistype as threes just because Americans in general are very much three energy. So what I love about what we've done so far on the podcast is it allows us to zoom out and just not think about society or where you live or other people or this that other thing, but really just get in touch with yourself. Of like, if I was by myself on a desert island how would I do things? And what what would my nature be? And that allows you to just get back in sync. And second thing is, it's so funny, because I'm a J2. And as you're talking, I'm thinking of just connecting all the pieces, which is exactly what we're talking about in this episode. And I encourage the listeners to do this too. But for instance, I am a Virgo rising, I am, you know, manifesting generator, like I'm either a three or an eight but either way I I want my plans I want things to go my way and so it really it does tie together and it helps me understand like all right I do well with a plan and I can look at these details and I also am informed from other aspects that there are a lot of creative tendencies and for instance in the manifesting generator I can get too bogged down in the details and I need to go with my gut more and get in touch with my body more so I can start to see how I can play off these strengths and like validate, but also understand I'm not stuck here. Like I'm not stuck in a person who like only makes plans or not stuck being someone who um gets really down in the dumps if something doesn't go as planned, which especially when it comes to manifestation has always been a struggle for me. And that's what I want to kind of have us dive into now because it's really interesting because when you came to me, you were like, we should talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, hell yes. (laughs) But you had, you had really framed it around the idea of manifestation. And interestingly enough, that's a huge discovery I've been going through this year is figuring out basically how do I best manifest, which sounds really silly, but I, based on everything I just told you, you would think, oh, I make a plan. And then I'm just like, this is specifically what I'm manifesting and we're going to make it happen. But that actually doesn't work for me. And it's all of those other maybe not in your face as much elements that I have to really bring in to manifest. So what have you learned about your own discovery process and going through your clients about number one, using these in general, of course, but especially when it comes to manifesting, how can we, what aspects can we consider? How do we approach manifesting? I know this is like a huge question. So we're just going to like set up the the mountain and we're going to chip through it, but, (laughs)
1: but let's, let's start there. Okay. Manifestation, I think is such a cool and very misunderstood thing. Yeah. say We'll call it a thing. And the biggest thing that I find that gets in the way of manifesting the things that you want is not believing that you can have it. Totally. So manifestation, like the art of manifestation is founded on feeling into what it is that you want in such a way that you completely believe that it's coming, are excited about it, are full, like, you can even bypass a little bit of the belief if your, if your desire is high enough. So it's this sort of, I, I kind of think of it as like two levers, two levers controlling your desire and your resistance. Mm-hmm. And so long as the desire is higher than the resistance, then you get to manifest what it is you want. Mm-hmm. The more <laughs> resistance there, even if the desire is high, The more resistance that comes in, the harder and more uncomfortable it'll be as you manifest. So you may manifest what it is that you want with a massive amount of effort because there's so much resistance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If
1: your resistance is higher than your desire, you're not going to manifest at all. You're just going to be hitting roadblock after roadblock. If your desire is, you know, you have a desire is relatively neutral but there's not really any resistance, then you'll get it like almost immediately and you're just allowing it in. So Abraham Hicks, for example, says that it's as easy for the universe to bring you that penny as a million dollars or find a button on the ground and and get a, a mansion, that they're just as easy for the universe. But the problem is that we have so much more resistance towards that million dollars or the mansion compared to like oh of course i can find a button on the ground or a yeah. penny on the ground that's easy yeah. but but that is us not the not the power of manifestation and so how all of this works together for me at least is and and the work that i do with clients is very much diving under the surface to find what is in the way of you allowing. What is it that's creating the resistance? And almost always, you're gonna find limiting beliefs and old stories that are like, you know, locked inside on such a deep level. And it's like layer upon layer upon layer of limiting beliefs and old stories that we started to develop in childhood then once we started developing, we found more and more evidence to support it because there's actually evidence in the world to support anything you wanna believe. Yeah. So the work that I do with people and what I encourage you who are listening to do is to start analyzing those thoughts because a thought is just a a belief, is just a thought you keep thinking. So you wanna really pay attention to what are the thoughts that that are coming up, for example. All, um, people, people who make a lot of money tend to be selfish and greedy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. If you think that, if you talk about it with your friends, then you're just, or your parents, you're, you are emphasizing that again and again, that belief becomes deeper and deeper. People who make money are selfish and greedy. Oh yeah. People who make money are selfish and greedy. Oh yeah. And then why in a million years would you allow yourself to make money? Yeah because you, you're a good person. You don't want to be selfish and greedy. So you have to reframe that story for yourself. And if you don't, you're not going to manifest. It doesn't matter if you understand how to manifest or how manifestation works. If you've got these underlying beliefs, old stories, limiting beliefs, then it, it's just impossible to fully line up and particularly to line up with what it is you want without the resistance. So even if your desire to make the money overrides that thought that people are greedy and selfish who have money, if it's still there, then it's a very uncomfortable way of manifesting. Because Like I was saying before, that resistance feels awful.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into this resistance a little bit more. I want to talk about limiting beliefs in a second, but first I want to talk about how we can potentially be creating resistance in our nature. Now, I'm not saying that, like, blame yourself. But using the example I was describing before, I ironically feel like I am creating obstacles. I'm creating resistance for myself whenever I make a plan and then I make the plan be my manifestation. So, for example, let's say I'm launching a program and I say, I wanna make $10,000 this month with this launch or I wanna sign 10 people or whatever it is, but you can tell it's very specific. It's a very specific time frame. I'm doing the work to make the launch happen. Like we're getting into the nitty gritty here, right? When I do that, even though I look at all my numbers and my rising and my types and blah, 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 I know that I am a person who does thrive to some extent doing this and is skilled at making plans. When I do that, it can get in the way of my manifestation because I'm getting too attached. Now I know attachment is something you'll probably have something to say about a lot, but even still, my main question is, what can we do to really work with ourselves to make sure that we're not getting in our own way, even if in a lot of ways we're playing to our strengths, but it may be impacting how we're manifesting?
1: It's such a great question. And we're taught like with that uh, SMART acronym around goals, the T stands for time, right? Timing or having having a deadline for the the thing that you want to achieve. So what's the difference between a goal and like manifesting or manifesting your goal. And so we absolutely want to play to our strengths. I'm also a planner. So having that plan is fantastic the problem is when like you said we get attached to the very to 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 it being too specific right and when we get too attached to the timeline so for example you might have a launch for for something and in the time that you thought that it was going to work let's say let's say you thought you were going to get a certain number of people enrolled on the first day or the first couple of days. And then let's say you don't get those people on the first couple of days of the launch. And then you start preparing yourself for disappointment. Right. Which then starts to bring on the manifestation of it not happening because you're focusing on what it is that you don't want. The thing about manifestation or law of attraction is that we're always calling to us whatever it is we're focused on. So you prepare for disappointment and it's because you don't want to feel bad, but you're actually (laughs) like, you're creating the thing that you don't want. Right. And instead of holding the faith and the expectation that what it is that you want is going to happen and that the timeline and the how doesn't even matter. Yeah. So you, so you have that and, and it's a constant practice and it's a constant struggle for most of us. Yeah. So you're in the middle of a launch. Let's say it's a, it's a two week launch and day three, you've had no applications, let's say. So your, your old way of being is to just kind of start like not even showing up anymore as fully as you'd planned because you're like, ah, people don't want it. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants me. And then you go into your habit of your personality types, low side habit. So for me as a four, it's very much like nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. (laughs) It's very, it's very sad in there. And, and then, you know, that does nothing. Instead, what you've got to do is have a system (laughs) for maintaining that high vibration and the expectation and the faith that actually it's going to come on its own time. So instead, you instead of saying to myself, "Nobody wants or likes me," I say, "This is going to happen." Ooh, I'm so excited about the people who are coming in. Oh, they've been they've been eyeing that application. Ooh, those applications are coming. This is so exciting. Mm, and at that I I just can't wait to support them. And let me think about what she looks like and how she talks and like what her goals are. I can't wait to start supporting her in the program. It's that kind of like, it's it's almost like a trick to your psyche (laughs) so that you can maintain the positivity despite things not looking the way that you want on the timeline. And this even goes for after the launch is over, because if that person reaches out to you the day after the launch is over, are you going to like say, no, you can't join if they're like the perfect dream person for that particular offer and there's space for them. yeah So it's like really saying, you know what? It doesn't matter how. it doesn't matter what the time is. I have a plan. this is my plan that's uh, you know a combination of strategy and inspired intuition and action and it's all ready to go. this is what I'm saying to the universe. I'm ready to do. Yeah. And now universe, hey, I'm also open to whatever new inspiration you send my way. And you know what? you can handle some of this too
0: <laughs> it's interesting i've been playing recently with making the plan because i'm the kind of person and, and some people are gonna be like i am so not like that katie and some people are gonna be like i'm exactly like that katie but i am the kind of person who i will sit down and crunch numbers all day long if you let me i think that's fun i will play around with oh isn't it so exciting that i could have this offer for this much and make that much and i can launch this and do this and that's fun but the downside again of that is that I I can get too stuck in this is how it has to go. You know, in order to make X amount this month, I have to sell X amount of this. And I feel like a lot of business gurus teach you that. Like a lot of people will get on the mic of their podcast or on Instagram stories and just be like, you want to make an extra thousand dollars? It's easy. Just do two, you know, $500 VIP packages for your clients. And there you go. It's done. And I, in some ways it's good because it's inspiring. It gets you motivated. It helps you think outside of the box. But the reality is, if you're only thinking something can happen in a specific way, or like you said, during a specific time frame, then you are missing out and you're not allowing things to just come in. And I've had many months where I wasn't launching anything and I just said, all right, this is my income. I'm, whatever happens, happens. And I signed clients paid in full for my one-on-one highest ticket program could not have, who approached me out of nowhere being like, hey, can I hire you? So, you know, it's it's those kinds of things that if you don't let, if you don't make room for that to happen, it won't happen. And if you're so preoccupied and I'm not... Sp- Trust me, I'm not on my high horse here because I like Fiona said, it's an everyday practice that I know I work with every freaking day (laughs) to make sure that you're not going to that place of like, well, if it didn't happen this way, it's not happening at all. Or, well, the launch is over and I didn't sign people, so I guess I'm just done. Because you never know what can happen, but sometimes you just can't be in control, which for a lot of people can
1: be really hard. I know it is for me. Exactly. And so... This is ex- where all of the stuff, all of the wonderful systems and modalities that you've been sharing over these past podcast episodes come in. It's so much getting to know yourself so that you know your own traps. Yeah. And so, rather for myself, as I started exploring all of these different systems, I wasn't so interested in like learning the system for the sake of the system yeah. or teaching the system, what I really wanted was to understand myself. And this is part of my Enneagram number
0: That's <laughs> and part of
1: my Myers-Briggs. Fours are very interested in themselves. They're interested in learning more about what makes them tick uh, creatively, artistically, uh, in and very much concerned with being in integrity with themselves. So Mm -hmm. learning more about who they are. And then my Myers-Briggs, similarly interested in, in how can I best support myself in understanding? And so when you understand more your traps, then when it's, about something that you really want to manifest and you're not manifesting it. It's like, how am I falling into my specific traps? Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it can be revelatory and you don't have to study all of the systems, but you absolutely can choose whichever one, two, three call out to you. Or for me, it was, it's been cycles. I studied the Enneagram for a couple of years. I went to panels. I was like deep diving in it, not as a life practice, but as a, okay, what can I take from this right now? Like this, this period of time in my life, I need to explore this. And part of it, 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 for me as a four, it was all about romantic love and how I was over and over again, choosing men who were unavailable Mm -hmm. and understanding that that was my Enneagram number at work. (laughs) And so if this, this works for all aspects of your life, anything in your life where you're like, you know, again and again, I fall into a pattern that I want to change, then understanding or diving into whichever one of these systems is like calling to you as the one right now that's going to help. Yeah. So cool.
0: Where can we look in some of these systems? Like, for instance, Enneagram, maybe Myers-Briggs, maybe astrology, human design, anything that you feel like has helped you the most, what aspects of
1: those things can we look at to best be informed about this? All right. Well, first of all, for the Enneagram, I have noticed, uh, and I don't want to offend anyone, but... A lot of what we see on Instagram and on YouTube for both Myers Briggs and Enneagram are very superficial. Yeah, and probably for all of it, it's like all of these things now they're trendy, and and people are getting lots of like Enneagram accounts blow up so fast. Be, and I don't know if that's still happening, but it was definitely happening for a while there. Yeah, uh, and and they're fun. Like people make them really funny and engaging and it's and there's a lot of stereotyping going on as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't find that useful. It's a it's a fine place to start and like dick you know dip your feet in to see which system is the one that is more interesting to you. But I highly recommend going to source material. So for the enneagram, the best way to, to learn the enneagram if for for years and years, if you go back and and learn about how it originated, it was an oral tradition, and what you weren't even allowed to write it down. Oh wow! And so how people learned it was talking to people who were the number. And so the original teachers of this, uh, you know, after the very first couple teachers, there was um, Icaro and. Gurdjieff, I think are the very first people, then they had their disciple people. And those people did end up writing books. And some of these people like Helen Palmer, Don Richard, uh, Richard Rohr, Don um, Rizzo and Hudson is another one. You know, they, they've been studying this for deep decades and they've written books from their work with actual people in in the oral conversation. And now on YouTube, you can find really long YouTube videos where you've got panels. And this was how I originally learned it. There was no YouTube. I learned it in, um, you know, talking to people. I mean, I learned it in a in like a classroom setting where they yeah. brought up people on a panel. You had five people representing that number. There was a person interviewing them. And so I highly recommend that if you're interested in the Enneagram, you watch those Enneagram panels on YouTube. They're like, you know, an hour on a number. That's the way that you can actually, for you, Katie, like you're not sure if you're an eight or a three. Yeah, I need to deep dive. (laughs) Yeah, you need to deep dive. It's not something that you can learn superficially and it's the same with Myers-Briggs. Taking the test for Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, that's that's only a starting place. That's a place for you to go, oh, okay, so I might be this or that, I'm probably not that. And that's, a, that's where you can start to actually dive deeper so that you can really understand uh, on, a, on a deeper level. So Enneagram, watch the panels, get some of those original books, but understand that if whether it's somebody teaching it online or whether like on Instagram or whether it's one of these books, everyone is filtered through that person's Enneagram number.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And that's, that's like a whole nother thing. And so when I was first studying it, I I had like five different books that I was reading, mostly focused in on my number and, and the numbers that related to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So your, your original number, your wing numbers, and then your arrow numbers. And I was really like studying all of those. I'm not sure that I answered your question.
0: Well, I'd love to get even a little bit more specific and Maybe there's not an answer to this because maybe the answer is just study it as a whole and you'll find it. But is there anywhere we should look in particular in our studies of each specific thing to figure out what are... Because this is where it gets tricky because I don't want to say weaknesses are, but like we were talking about where we can maybe get caught up in these things that don't serve us in the manifestation practice?
1: So I would look at your limiting beliefs and stories and your goals. So what is it that is, what is it that you want that you're not getting (laughs) and that like year after year you want it and you're not getting. So I would start there. Then I would ask myself, what am I telling myself about this thing that I want? what are the what are the thoughts that i have or the old stories that i have like playing on a tape on a loop that clearly are connected so for example somebody who's really wanting to make money they're like okay i i want to be making money and this is like most starving artists right i know i want to be making money but it's not happening so there's there's the goal so then it's like well what are my thoughts about money what are my thoughts about making money in relationship to my art and they'll come up with a whole bunch like if you're honest with yourself it's like you know you you don't do it for the money you do it for the art i'm lucky to you know be getting to perform at all nobody is successful um people who make money you know are no longer artistic or sellouts you know whatever your limiting beliefs are and then you're like okay great so now i know my some of these stories and limiting beliefs Now, how do those tie in to what I've learned so far about the system that I was called to study? Because I really recommend there's so, you can dive so deep into any of these systems. It's like, which one calls to me right now? Yeah. And you can, you know, you take superficially look at like five of them and it's like, Ooh, this is the one that I want to dive deeper with. But I am sorry to any of you who want to do this superficially. It will not work. This is deep work. Yeah. It, it, it's deep. And so you choose the one that you want to focus on. And then you spend some significant time studying it. Like you were studying your art form. You, know, you really study it. And then you start to see, aha. So as a three, for example, I I absolutely... Think of success and money as like the thing that I need to have, like achievement. What how how is it that I need to achieve? Mm -hmm. And and I see how that plays into how my relationships are not working. If that was like the thing that they wanted to do. Or for me as a as a four, it's like, okay, I want to make money, but inside it's like, oh anyone who's not fully artistic is a sellout. (laughs) Right. So it's like, okay, well, wait a second. That's a four thing. It's not real. My emotions are not real as a four. I'm not saying emotions aren't real in general, but as a four, we tend to go way over the top with our emotions. It's like, no, 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 reign that in. Like you were saying, if a launch doesn't
0: go, you're like, everyone hates me. Like that's just an emotion and a thought that you're having, but it's not true. It's not serving you. And you can identify, you're like, all right, the four is just coming out right now. That's not the truth. Nobody hates me just because they didn't sign up for the
1: launch. Exactly. That, (laughs) That was an excellent illustration. And so you dive deep into the one that you're interested in and then you do the work and you see how it interconnects with your, the limiting beliefs and the old stories that you grew as a, as a child to where you are today. And that is, that's the synergy of all of this stuff yeah. and how we get to the manifestation.
0: It's almost like looking at them as Tendencies. Now, obviously, we can't reduce everything just down to, oh, your tendency is this, but particularly when you're overcoming limiting beliefs, you would know based on your Enneagram or your Sun, Moon, and Rising or this, that, and the other thing that your tendency is to handle things like this or think about things like this or emotionally sit with things like this. And knowing that information, you can look at how that might be affecting your thought patterns, the beliefs that you've held, and Therefore, also how you can support yourself through changing them. Is that accurate to say?
1: Absolutely. And then I was just having this thought, another way that you can use all of these things is to serve you, to serve you better. So when I look at Myers-Briggs, for example, and I focus, like I said earlier, a lot on that first and last letter, when it comes to being productive in my work and that then leading to manifesting what I want in my business... Mm -hmm one of the things that's very interesting is the introvert and extrovert so if you are an introvert and you're in a culture that makes you feel like you should be going out and partying let's say when you're younger this was this was me for for so long as a young person i was like okay I should want to go out. This is literally me also, even though I'm an extrovert.
0: (laughs) I was just thinking the other day, I don't drink. I did a little bit in high school, ironically, and, and a little bit in college, but that's when I stopped. And I was like, I always for so long thought, I wish I was the kind of person who would just like to drink and who could just like let loose and who wanted to do that. And for a variety of reasons, I don't, but I was on a walk thinking no, I fucking don't wish that if I drank, my life would be totally different just because we know every single choice we make leads us to where we are now. And I was like, who the frick knows? And a big part of it's because I don't drink because it affects my anxiety. And of course, I started as a wellness coach and a podcast with anxiety. So I was like, this literally would have affected my whole trajectory of life. Like, <laughs> thank God that this happened. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but all of that to say, like, I exactly know what you're, you're saying and, you know, figure out your own story, listeners, of how it relates to you too.
1: Exactly. So in, I remember working with a client who was an extrovert and for her, journaling was not nearly as effective as speaking into yeah. an audio recorder that's also me. Yeah. So that serves you. Verbal processors
0: right? versus not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so yeah. like taking it even into that world as well, it's like just the better that you know yourself and how you, how you work, like how, what, what is your optimal way of being rather than thinking, oh, she told me, my coach said I have to journal. And that yeah. means like taking the, the pen to paper but I, I have so much resistance to that. Well, maybe the resistance is because of something that happened to you about journaling and like you need to work through it or that maybe happens. the resistance-
0: <laughs> Maybe got attacked by a journal once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean,
1: Actually, that, that's a real thing. That was something that and one of my clients, something had happened <laughs> with, with with the journaling. But maybe, so maybe that is a thing. Maybe that was your thing, but more likely it's that journaling isn't the way that you're going to process best, yeah. and that you actually, as often as an extrovert, you're going to do so much better if you can talk it out with a, a biz bestie, if you right. can write it, um, you know, with your coach, uh, if you can uh, say it out loud to your audio, you know, you coach yourself in the audio recording, even if you never listen to it, just speaking it out loud.
0: Right. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask you. How we can let go of attachment. Because we've talked about how we, you know, everyone knows you set the goals however you best set goals. You set your intention when you're manifesting. We've talked about how you can kind of get out of your own way. But I feel like the last part of that is really letting go of attachment. And this might vary too based on, again, all of these types and how you approach things. I feel like for some people it's way easier to let go of attachment because they don't have... Uh, these aspects where they want control, like I know I do in all of my types and charts. But what are your recommendations for this?
1: This very much ties in, ties back to something you were just saying about how everything in your life would have been different if, you, if just that one little thing about you or a big thing about you had been different, then like the entire trajectory of your life would have been different. Yeah. And so what I decided to do for myself was to believe. And like we were saying earlier, a belief is just a thought you keep thinking. So I chose, you, you can choose beliefs that empower you or you can choose beliefs that disempower you. So a belief that I chose for myself was that there is a gift in everything and that everything happens as it is meant to happen in perfect timing. So those two things together have just massively helped me with the letting go and the allowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when something happens that I don't understand or that seems terrible to me, I think, okay, I may not in this moment understand how this is good, but I know it is good. And I can look back at the time that I was hospitalized. I can look back at the time when I had... Uh, when half my face was paralyzed. I can look back at the time when I didn't get into the college I wanted to get into. Right. And in every single circumstance, I, looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, all of these gifts. If I had gotten into that college, I probably wouldn't have become a singer. Yeah. You know, it's like, it it's so huge.
0: So what do we do though? Because I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. And sometimes it's easier to look back and realize that it all went how it was supposed to. Everything happens for a reason. And it's not as easy in the moment to say to yourself, like, it's okay. It Nothing is going how I want it to, but it's okay. It's fine. So do you have any recommendations for number one, how to just hold the belief when things do get really, really hard like that? And number two, how to not like bypass our emotions all the while, because, you know, I think right. there's truth to the fact that like, you can sometimes feel upset that things are happening, how they're happening and also try to hold this tangential belief that things are happening for a reason. They seem to contradict each other, but they can also both be true.
1: This is so important. I mean, this, this is like,
0: this is like the <laughs> crux of it for me. <laughs> it's
1: so, it's so important. And under no circumstance do you want to bypass your emotions. This is actually another thing that gets in the way of your manifesting. So, so many new age teachers are out there telling you, you know, you you have to be guarding your thoughts. So you don't think anything negative. You always should be feeling good so that you can, you know, be in alignment with what it is that you want. And ultimately that's BS because you're a human living a human experience and bad things happen. And pain comes into your life from time to time. There's, there's no way around it. So the, the surest way to not manifest not manifest is to ignore what you're really feeling, to suppress Mm. your emotions. I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts about the healing, the gut and holistic medicine. And it's the same thing. It's like conventional medicine often gives you drugs to suppress your symptoms. symptoms. And it's the same thing here. If you emotionally bypass, you're suppressing the emotions. They're still there, the symptom or the emotion it's still inside you festering <laughs> and and unless you allow it to come to the surface and allow yourself to feel the feeling it's more or less impossible to in in to really manifest and there are different enneagram numbers who have a harder time or an easier time with this and so that's again like how knowing your type will help you no, okay. Is my type tends to suppress emotions yeah. and go after achieving? For not my personal type, but a type does that. Well, you have to tell us which ones now. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the three. So the three tends to suppress oh! the, the emotion as they're going out and achieving, 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 and it's suppressing the emotion. That's
0: why I think I am a three. <laughs> I'll get back to you guys ASAP on that. But yeah, that 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 hits hard. <laughs>
1: they will achieve a ton, like really they can be so successful, but often it's some other area of their life that's suffering, like relationships can be suffering if right. they're, so, yeah. so, so it's like understanding that under the surface is this mess of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then dealing with it, dealing with the limiting beliefs, using the different systems to help yourself figure out what are my habits, what are my tendencies, so that then you can actually do the inner work and the shadow work. Shadow work has to do with projecting. So, so much of the time, the stuff that we haven't owned about ourselves will project out onto other people. It's Mm -hmm. like that person is, you know, whatever it is we don't like about ourselves. So you you have to do that inner work in order to get out of your own way so you can get to the place where you are able to allow and manifest and hold the faith simultaneously to the thing that you didn't want to have happen be happening. On top of that, if you go back in time and look at the things that you thought were bad and actually find the gift in it, then you train yourself to look for the gift. So that, for example, when I had the Bell's palsy, that was where half my face was paralyzed for six months, almost immediately I was able to recognize gifts. I didn't want to be going through it, mm-hmm. but I could see that I was, I had been incredibly stressed out. I had been working, I was totally burnout. I was working way too hard for two weeks. I watched television. Yeah, she got that, rough. and I needed that. Yeah, I needed that. To, like, and and this is a this is definitely a cautionary uh, story because prior to coming down with the Bell's palsy, I had the intuition, or no, I had the desire to watch television. Mm. I had a very strong desire to spend an entire day watching television, but I didn't let myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Your body was like, and the universe was just like, all right. Well, sit down now.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, if you didn't want to take one day, we're going to give you two weeks. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. One thing I want to mention that really changed how I approach things is just in, in, in the same line of what you were talking about was like, just because you want to hold the vibrational frequency, which we haven't talked about too much in this episode. It's not really what we're going into. But, you know, a lot of manifestation experts, so to say, will say you have to match the frequency of what you want. You have to stay high vibe. But It can be misinterpreted where it's like, well, I have to stay high vibe so I can't feel sad or bummed or whatever. And I think it was Amanda Francis who said it. Um, I could be wrong, though, but I'm pretty sure it was her who was like, just because you're holding the frequency of bringing in something doesn't mean that you don't feel emotions or that you never feel sad or that you can't go through what you're going through. And I think there's a misconception that it's like, if you feel things, then you drop out of that frequency and you're no longer manifesting But that's not true. Of course, if you stay in the frequency of sad and victim mindset and this, that, and the other thing, then that will certainly affect it. But you're human. Like, you're not supposed to just operate at a superhuman rate. And also, if you're pushing things down, you're not actually operating at the frequency you think you're operating at. So so that really changed my perspective. And I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up. And that is... What advice do you have for what tools we should use or how to support ourselves or where to look next when we go through what we think is the manifesting process and it still doesn't work out? So let's just use the example of a launch because we've been using that a couple times. Somebody wants to launch something. They want to fill this many spots. They want to make this income that month. The month ends. The launch ends. They didn't hit that goal. What do we do next?
1: So it depends on what systems you already have in place for yourself. For me, it all comes down to my, I'll call them my high vibe routines. Mm. And it's kind of like my morning routine. And I, so I have a morning routine and an evening routine and I have a morning meditation and you can find all of those on my YouTube channel. So I have a morning meditation on my YouTube channel that I personally listen to. I love that <laughs> every morning, every morning. Unfortunately, YouTube doesn't count my views. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a lot more views if they Don't counted my own views. subscribe
0: to Fiona's channel so that she can get monetized and get views and. <laughs>
1: So, and then I also created a YouTube video on morning routine and one on evening routine because people often skip the evening routine or they don't really recognize that that also matters. Yeah. So you lean into all of the things that are positively working in your life. And so for me, it's like the, the things that I are non-negotiable are my journal time, my meditation time, my walking in nature time, my stretching in the morning different what, and it's whatever are the things that really you need, but they usually have something to do with, you know, connecting with your body physical and with your spirit and with your heart, with your mind, you know, how, and, and a lot of them are, will do multiple things. Like if I'm walking outside, then I'm connecting physically, but I'm Maybe listening to some, you know, awesome podcast, which also helps me mentally, or I'm and I'm looking at beautiful scenery, which affects me spiritually. So there's a, a wonderful crossover. So at that end of that launch, when you're when you're feeling so bad, it's a hundred percent about what you make it mean. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna make it mean something about yourself, then you're gonna go downhill. I'm going to go uphill. It's funny with the Abraham Hicks, it's like going downhill is good and going uphill is <laughs> bad. I think the going reason. downhill is bad. So that's what you're I would gonna. Think. You're going to feel bad, yeah. right? So <laughs> there we go. If you're, if you're focused on, on making it mean that you, you know, and then you'll go into whatever your Enneagram number spin is, on, on the meaning of it, that you're somehow failure or worthless or whatever, it then becomes even longer and harder to pull yourself out of that and do your next launch. Yeah. Whereas if you lean into all of those positive things that you have to support yourself, to feel good, no matter what, then you, and you have a system also for doing your inner work. So the stuff that came up, like I'm worthless and I feel, you know, you, you have a place to, to handle that. Yeah. Yeah with your coach or in your journal, how, however it is that you're able to support yourself, then, and you look for the gift. Like, did I, I always ask myself when when a launch didn't go the way that I wanted, I ask myself, how did it serve me for this not to turn out the way I wanted it to? Mm. And a lot of the times it's like, well, I I kind of wasn't really wanting to do that program. Yeah. Like if you if you have a zero launch, it's like, gosh, if I was really honest with myself, I didn't want to run that program. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's all about getting honest with yourself. And at the same time, it's so, it's so, I love radical responsibility, personal responsibility in conjunction with radical self-love.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you can know that like, you can move forward. I I had a coach who was in Enneagram eight and she's like Aries sun and an Aries moon. So you can imagine she just like plows through things like a bowl, <laughs> literally. And I'm like a three and I have a Gemini moon and a Virgo rising. So I'm like, I want everything to go how I want it to go. But also if it doesn't, I'm going to like think about it for hours and really feel deeply about it. <laughs> so everyone's going to respond to things differently. Knowing more about yourself will help you learn how you process things and I love your suggestion to have your regular routines but also like a pick-me-up routine or, or a reflection period with those really powerful questions that you can ask yourself to not wallow or maybe even not to bypass it so quickly you know maybe you do just plow through and you need to take a second and let yourself feel it or let yourself think about it so so much wisdom from this episode Fiona thank you so much for coming on how can we connect with you, work with you, keep up to date with everything that you are doing?
1: I would love to connect with you on Instagram. I have a free Facebook community called the Profitable Performer with Fiona Flight. And there, that's like a super high vibe place. I'm, always, I'm, I'm in there daily sharing things to just help you really understand that you do not have to be a starving artist anymore. And of course, my YouTube channel. So I've got a ton of ways to engage with me for free. And then I also have two paid programs, the Profitable Performer Revolution, which will help you learn how to leverage social media to become a profitable performer, (laughs) to build a profitable business. And then I have also YouTube Domination, which will teach you how to rank in search on YouTube and also on Google. And then I also have sometimes a limited number of one-to-one spots as well. And so lots of ways to learn from me, both free and at the investment level. Amazing. Thank you
0: so much for coming on today, Fiona.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Out to Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to KatieZaccardi.com. See you next week.